Howdy, howdy. Welcome to your weekly dose of horror news and fun. This is episode five of Terrorvision Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Dan McGuinness, and joining me always is my co-host, Jennifer, the Dream Warrior Strand. Together we are two people with a love of horror and feel the burn of our obsolete blockbuster memberships. Jennifer, how has your week been? Been pretty good. Uh, Five episodes. Holy crap. Congratulations to us. I know. Significant. We've been doing well it for done. more than one month. <laughs> I, I know, right? Kudos to us. With cons- I'm very well, actually. Oh, you're good? What have you been doing? I'm good. Oh, still, I'm still on my man-eater. Uh, binge? My binge. It's uh, I've kind of like maxed out everything I could possibly do and I'm just like 100%ing everything now. So So you're like an end game heading towards a platinum. Yeah, I'm... Trophies left, right, and center. It's it's glorious, and uh, do you think you'll been... do you think you'll platinum it? Uh, I hope so. If not, I'll just go back and start again. <laughs> well, you can always yeah, plat- how... you can't you can't stuff up a platinum. It's just, it's no, just getting well, all the trophies. It's true. I'm not very good at video games, so for me to go and do something like this, it's actually very. I wouldn't say important. It's not important at all. It's it's um. It's a it's a benchmark. It's it's a time yeah. when everyone should like etch it in stone and walk it up a hill and shout it out like Moses. Yeah. Ben. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Jennifer played a game. I don't know why <laughs> you I called you Ben it. then. <laughs> uh, well, because you're used to talking to Ben. That's true. That's true. About video games, not me. So yeah. yeah. How about you? How was your week? Uh, I went down. Uh, we decided because of our restrictions lifting a little bit that we're going to go on a, a small family holiday kind of thing. And we went down to Willunga, which is just down the road from us, about an hour. And we just stayed in like a holiday house and just ate some food. And it was nice. I got to, you know, got to catch up on some films. I, I was watching, I didn't watch all our homework. I, I mean, I didn't do a lot of horror movie this week because I've been just power watching Bleach again for like the third time. <laughs> and I don't know why. I just love it well, so hey. much. Look, that's fair. You know, Bleach is a, a series that I know of. So, you know, why not? Why not rewatch <laughs> I it? I know of this thing. Therefore, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I love Wollonga. I actually grew up in McLaren Vale, so I went to Wollonga High School. So I'm... Oh. The South is where I uh, I love the South. So We went to the Wollonga Market and yes. we got up there early and we got a fish and, and some stuff. Um, oh. And there's a high tea place there, which we looked in and decided to never go in. And because um, high tea, in my opinion, is like gross. Um, Do you feel that it was? It's like one of those things where you walk through the door and they're like, Mm-mm, "No, no, sorry, please leave." And yeah, you just yeah. Have to leave it's like me, straight away. It's like me walking into a, a church where I catch on fire just a little bit. <laughs> um, oh yeah. But we did go to the Walunga Jungle. Do you know what that is? No. It's what like, is that? It's like a giant like nursery for plants, but they've like Ooh. obviously. 30 years ago planted like a jungle there and you walk through it and it's got like a boardwalk and there's all these fake animals in there and like kids marking them off on, you know, like trying to find all the animals. It's kind of cool. And, and it's just a normal nursery for plants. Um, oh, that my, sounds like so much. Yeah, it was, it was all right. It was fun. Um, we got two plants, bought them home. Could have bought them anywhere, Very but we good. bought them there. <laughs> but, but anyhow, let's get on to, so we're, we're mixing the show up a little bit um, now. Um, We've decided to swap around our two segments. We've only got two segments. <laughs> uh, we've decided to swap around uh, our news with what we've been watching. So first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching in the week. So we just think it'd be better to get off on off on the foot with some just some flat out horror talk. And you think that's Heck good? yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, what we've been watching. So do you want me to go first? 
Yeah, Dan, please start us off. Okay, so I uh, first thing I watched this week was Basket Case from 1982, and I've classified this up from the uh, from the television horror podcast uh, genre list as a body horror horror <laughs> as a body horror. Um, first of all, have you seen this, Jen? Ever? Ben, it's it is on my watch list. Um, it's one of those films that I keep going. Yeah, I, I should. Oh, but there's like all these other films to watch, so yep. it just it keeps getting pushed down the list. So this film has been obviously in my vision forever. It was in the video shots when I was a kid. I never got around to watching it. Um, I never caught it on television. I've had like people. Um, there's a lot of people I know that like it. One of my friends dressed up as like the monster out of it for Halloween once. He was like in a basket. <laughs> he was in a basket and like. And he legs were coming out the bottom, but yeah, he did it pretty well. And um, yeah, and I, I turned it on, and I got about halfway through it, and I'm like, why? I, I don't know if I like this. So, oh, okay. <laughs> like, all right, the story is a a, a a guy named Dwayne is born with a Siamese twin attached to him, but the Siamese twin is just a head and two arms, and it's this ghastly thing. Um, mm-hmm. They have like a, a mind link. What do you call that? Like. It, ESP or whatever they they can they can talk to each other through their they've got like, the, the thinking. creepy twin thing yeah yep. um anyhow and then they get forced surgery apart um and they decide that they don't like they, they don't care if the brother the, the mutant the small one dies they throw him in the bin sure. as <laughs> uh, you do yeah they throw him in the bin but the brother loves his brother um he's his mutant brother so he gets him out and then um they grow up and that's it and he keeps him in a basket the uh the 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 mutant brother. Um, which I can't remember his name. Anyhow, it's where like, you keep all brothers, I suspect, in a basket somewhere. Exactly. Then uh, later on in life, they grow up, and he decides to go to New York. He's a, he's got a bit of a country kid, and um, he gets a hotel, and he wants to go visit the. From what I could tell, he was taking revenge on the two doctors that separated him because everyone said not to do it because it was going to kill uh, the brother. And but these two doctors, they didn't care, and they were just all about saving his life and killing the brother. So I guess he was like making like a five-year plan to go kill them or something. Um, <laughs> so he's had a lot of time sitting in that basket to make a plan. It is. The brother is the brains of the operation, and, okay. as in the mutant one. The mutant one. Yeah, I don't know what to call it. Mutant, is that, is that too strong a Let's word? Let's call him Muty. Muty? I was calling him the basket. I'm going to call him the basket case. Yeah. So basket okay. case is the brains of the operation. He's clever. And he decides yep. what they're all going to do. And the kid, um, Dwayne, is a bit of a – he's a goober. Like he's just like, a, oh, hey, how are you going? I don't know if that was bad acting or what was supposed to be in it. <laughs> and for some reason sure. in this film, everyone who meets Dwayne thinks he's great. And like, oh, and they're like, I can't stop thinking about you. And all these women like him and stuff. And, you know, straight away they're like, here's my number. And there's no reason. It was just written in the script. Like it was, it was so badly done. The, um, sure. the, like, you know, the, the, the sound in the film was so up and down. Sometimes they sounded like they were in a basketball court. Other times they sounded like they were too close to the mic. But what I did notice in this film is there is so much yelling. Like people are screaming, which is fine in a horror movie, but then there are people just yelling and arguing. And also the basket case monster himself, all he does is yell. Like his thing, like whenever it shows him, he doesn't just like, he's not got a monster growl. He's just like, is it, but is it like yelling, yelling, or is it like I can't hear, so I actually am yelling at you kind of yelling? He's or is just, it just like, like insanity he yelling? He, he just can't communicate and he's just got one yell and it's just a constant yell. Like, 
<laughs> and so whenever like anyone opens up the basket, it's just like a, a barrage of sound. <laughs> and he's got sharp teeth and yeah, okay. And so I was all right. Yeah, cool. The weird thing about this film is number one, I think it might be famous because it may be around about the first body horror film that was kind of made, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. because there's no other reason for I could work out why it was quite famous. Um, the other thing I noticed is most of the film, I see 90% of it's set in the daytime. So it's all kind of like there's no horror okay. kills. Um, yeah. Most of the deaths is just. Someone like the monster, someone opening the basket, the monster yelling a barrage of sound in their face, jumping onto their face, and then ru- them running around the room, you know, holding it on their face, obviously, while blood just splurts out everywhere. <laughs> um, there were a couple of cool deaths, like this doctor, uh, she, one of the doctors, the revenge death, she gets like her face slammed into a drawer of scalpels, and then she comes up and it's just a, fate, a, a shot. Once again, her just yelling. Into the yep. camera with just scalpels in her face and yelling for ages, but I thought it was kind of funny. Um, I love it. I love a good death. Yeah. You may like this. I mean, okay. but there there were some, like, scenes in it that were really, like, I was like, oh, dear. Like, there was a a dream where the, the main brother, like, the normal brother was asleep and he was having a dream and it was like he was running down New York naked and it was this full frontal nudity of a naked man running down New York streets. <laughs> Like, you know, not dong- generally something I want to watch. Yeah, in a nineteen eighty two film, Dong flopping around, like, you know, <laughs> big bush dong as well. Like no uh, he do- he obviously doesn't own a manscaper. Um no, well, you know, horror wang in the eighties, it was no manscaping. Huang. Horror <laughs> Huang. Horror Huang. Huang. Yeah. Um so that was weird. And then the other thing that which really weirded me out is there is like a kind of a rape scene between the monster and a girl and like he doesn't have any sure. genitals he ends up he just is like gets caught and he's just rubbing himself up and down he kills her as well first and then rapes her so it's just like oh god so you're kind of That's, like face palming it a yeah. bit going like i don't really want to see that um no no and then yeah. i'm gonna and then the end i was just like kind of like I was like, the, the credits rolled. I'm not going to say what happens at the very end, but the credits rolled. You and I can, because like, we, we've established that we will do spoilers and people did not say that they did not want us to spoil stuff, so get on board, we're doing yeah, spoilers. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, so basically he after he kills the girl, the guy's girlfriend, the monster, or the monster man, the monster brother, right, they have yeah. an argument and they're like, he's like smashing him in a bro- like the thing and then they get, like, start fighting and they fall out of a window and then like the, the mutant ki- monster is hanging onto like a ledge and holding onto his brother, but he's got him around the neck and he's choking him, but he's still trying to bring uh-huh. him up. But he ends sure. up choking the brother and killing him and then they both fall off the building and they both die. Credits roll. <laughs> like, it always, <laughs> you know, like one of those and sudden yeah, credits. Okay. Um, so, I, yeah, okay. This sounds like a very interesting film to watch. Mm, so It's, it's mm. shot on, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Super 8, like uh, – that, it's got that Super 8 vibe to it, obviously 4 to 3 because of the year and stuff like that. It's got it, it's clear. The lighting yep. was good. The monster's okay. yelling is, is oh, my God. Like, you're going to have to. I'm sure that there's a there's a YouTube um, video of just, like, all the yelling in Basket Case. The reason I want to watch this is I've heard the Basket Case 2 is good because after I was like, how could they make 2 and 3 of this? Like, Yeah, there's a lot. Well, I, I can see that it's it was so it was directed by Frank Hannon, Hannon Lotter. Um, who did brain damage, Frankenhooker, and the Godfather of Gore? Did you brain so, damage? 
Yeah. Yeah, the vibe is very – because, you know, um, remember, have you seen Brain Damage recently? Is it fresh in your mind? Can you remember it? It is not, no. Oh, can you remember that? The, the main guy in Brain Damage is basically the same character as Basket Case. He's just this brown-haired, okay. thin guy. And, you know, he was kind of dumb. Like you just yeah, go okay. along and do whatever the the, the, the drug-inducing shit made him do. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, so he's basically just Johnny America going around. Yeah, he's thing. the Nathan Drake of horror movies in the 80s. <laughs> And um, Nathan Drake. <laughs> and oh, Nathan Drake, man, he is like the everyman. He like, oh, like that man in real life must just be mistaken for everyone. You know that that yes, that that, bo- that actor. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, oh yeah, uh, what was the other thing he did? Uh, Frankenhooker. Yeah, I never saw that one. I bet you have. No, that sounds like something you. I seen. haven't. It's it's definitely a me film, but I've not seen it. I'm putting it on my list. You're putting it there. Doing it. Yeah, he's got like. So he did Basket Case. He's done them all. Yeah. But um, see, Basket Case 3, I, I'm going to watch them all now. I have to. I have uh, well, to. you do. Because you I do. can't see how it can go from, like, they ki- it kills him at the end. Unless he, it, the monster wasn't killed. But, like, how can you get another two films out of an idea of a of a, 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 a removing Siamese twin that just attacks people in, like, and they're, like, emotion rages it's having. Like, it's. Yeah. Because it can't communicate. I reckon it's, oh, my God. Have you seen a picture of the director, what he looks like? Yeah, he, he looks like this very creepy, he looks creepy like, elderly man who he, looks like he keeps children in his bed. Yeah, he looks like Alfred Hitchcock's arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man, he's gross. Anyhow, I'm going to move yeah. on. Great. So I gave it like, I, what did I give it? I think I gave it like. Two, I gave it two stars. You gave um, it two stars. It probably yeah. okay. uh, there, 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 there would have been a bit of love for this film, I reckon, as in maybe it was the first body horror. The the idea was definitely a newish kind of idea, like that kind of. But they they went to there's so much yelling, like everyone sure. yells, and not so just the monster. Yelling. Like there's a there's lots of arguments where there's just all every, every there's like four people on screen just screaming at each other and like yeah, oh, oh, leave me alone. You know, I was getting assaulted, but yeah. Anyhow. What was the next thing you – what have you been watching, Jennifer? Sure. Okay, so I watched um, – I watched a, a few films that were really, really good this weekend. Cool. Um, one of them I did watch was called Shirley, which I won't talk too much about because it's not – it is not a horror film. It is about Shirley Jackson, who is a horror writer. Okay. Um, it's a bit of a psychodrama about her life and a relationship she has with this person while she's writing her book. Uh, Elizabeth Moss is in it and she's known from like the Invisible Man movie and Handmaiden's Tale and she's probably one of the best actresses of today. She's in like the the kitchen and stuff like that. Yeah, she's fucking amazing. But Uh, Mad Mad Men. She was Peggy. Yeah, she's Peggy in Mad Men, which I still haven't seen. Okay. Um, but yeah, so um, that is available now to watch. I do recommend if you like Shirley Jackson's work um, or Elizabeth Moss check that out because it was really good Hmm. but i watched becky so becky came out uh this weekend i think it was released um and it it's basically home alone (laughs) if kevin McAllister was a psychopathic little girl all right yes um basically a young teenager becky uh her weekend at a lake house with her dad takes a turn for the worse when a group of convicts wreak havoc on their lives. Now, the convicts themselves is neo-Nazis, 
because of course, played by Kevin James. And we're talking Kevin James is in Adam Sandler's BFF Forever, you know, that Kevin James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first role that he's ever been in where he's played a villain. And he looks good. He is basically this, I wouldn't even say he's a large guy because there's a guy in there called Apex who is like twice his size. (laughs) But he's in it and he's sporting one of the manliest beards that I've ever seen. He's got the stereotypical Nazi tattoos all over him, all over his body and all over his head. I'm pretty certain there was like a Triforce tattoo in there too. And I'm like, oh, Zelda reference? I don't know. Maybe he just had that and they just couldn't be bothered. They they probably just like didn't know what neo-Nazis were so much that they just figured it was a neo-Nazi symbol. Yeah, probably. Um, So this is basically a home invasion horror, but it. I was a bit apprehensive actually talking about it because it teeters on the horror. It is fucking gory. It's, I wouldn't call it, necessarily call it horror, but the gore made, makes me want to talk about it because Becky is basically she's this like little teen who's miserable. Her dad's getting remarried and she's just, you know, puberty and being sullen. And these people come to her house and they're looking for this key. She's got the key and he's basically like, well, just give me the key. I don't want to hurt you. And she's like, bitch, I want to hurt you. And then she proceeds to basically take out all these convicts one by one in the most grueling and violent ways possible. It sounds like um, a remake of I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah, like a vibe. Yeah, but without the rape. Yeah, which no one wanted that anyway. So like, No. So it's just like... Um, yeah, so it's directed by uh, Jonathan Millot and Carrie Murnion, who did Cooties, which is an amazing horror comedy um, about children becoming zombies after eating tainted chicken fingers um (laughs) fantastic film um but yeah like this the gore in this was absolutely just phenomenal it was intense it was graphic i but i there was at one point that you know liz came running in going are you yelling at something and like that was one of the most insane things i've ever seen in my life she's like okay and just left again. Because you can't do um, spoilers. This, too, this movie's too I, recent. No, this this film came out, like like I say, it just came out, I think, this weekend. So I really don't want to say too much about it. Um, everyone is focusing on Kevin James. They're talking about how good he is and how he's never done anything like this. And, yeah, it's true. He hasn't done anything like this. But I really think everyone should be talking about Lulu Wilson. So she's the young actress who played Becky. Holy shit, like she performs her little 13-year-old blonde teenage ass off because I don't think there's many kids nowadays that could pull this kind of crap off. So, yeah, um, I think that's streaming now on Amazon Prime. So if I do recommend definitely checking it out because it was really enjoyable, fun to watch. I had a little bit of trouble because uh, Joel McHale was in it and but you don't I like just, him i a i i do not like him fair enough but every time i see him in anything i just think of him as what's his name from community so it kind of takes me out of the the film a little bit but it was kind of fun to watch him get tortured oh how, yeah, how i'm just looking at a picture of kevin james here from that film he doesn't look anything like him eh? he doesn't no, like that I'll beard and like his weathered yeah. look like oh. yeah Crazy. Yeah, I will. I'll post a pic of him on the the socials. Um, okay, because, before and after. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Next to Adam Sandler, 
being useless. Um, but yeah, so I, I 100% recommend everyone checking this film out. Like I say, it it's not technically a horror film, but the gore alone makes up for it not being. Do you know what's funny about this film? So you're saying you don't like Joe McHale. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I get the same thing. If he is in anything apart from Community, all I can see is Jeff Winger. His name is Jeff yeah. in this film. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, like, that's even worse. Or the only character I know him as is Jeff Winger, and he plays Jeff in this one as well. Like, yeah. Oh, man. And he, he's really no different to Jeff Winger. Oh, he's either. like a smug so, dude, like, blah, blah, blah. He's just, yeah. Is he a lawyer? Um, he's not. They don't really talk about what he does, but yeah. Um, the film does a couple of things that I don't like. I've got a couple of rules when it comes to watching horror. Um, you know, we don't like certain things. Like, um, I don't like small children getting hurt, which obviously this this film um, has. There's just a few things in it that I was not okay with, but she sought revenge on that. So at, in the end, I was like, yep, great. Okay, I feel better now. I am. Um... So, I cannot, I'm just going to say it now, I cannot stand the genre of home invasion. I hate it so much. Um, Is it too real? Yeah, yeah. I don't like stuff. So I yeah. hate films like Hard Candy, um, I don't, uh, Green Room, that was hard stuff watch, like that. Yeah. Like I can't handle them. I'm just like, That's no, fair. no, I need my, I watch I watch horror as escapism and, uh, you know, I want to see monsters. I want to see like uh, hell beasts and stuff like that. As soon as I, you take that stuff out of it for me, like even like, um, like gore porn stuff, like uh, Hostel, Hostel, and stuff like that, and Saw. Even I don't mind Saws because it's kind of like it's kind of a horror and ridiculousness, and he's like a killer. You know what I mean? But like those gore porny ones, I, I just can't get into, and I can't get behind them at all. And I'm not saying that they're bad films and they shouldn't be made because like there is definitely an audience for them. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, but I just can't do it. And um, this this movie is like screaming that shit to me, and I don't reckon I'll ever watch it, no matter how good you say it is. <laughs> uh, yeah no that's fair look if it's not something that you feel that if it's not in the genre that you're okay with then by all means don't check it out because it'll probably leave you feeling pretty yeah no i wouldn't say upset i, was a, I un- live in un- the, the top home invasion like uh area of adelaide as well <laughs> yeah like, I, I i know three people that have been home invaded and when i said where'd you live and they're all like in my area like and i yeah. didn't even know they lived around me one You're of them like, didn't oh, even oh. live in my area. He was visiting his friend in my area and it, they got home invaded. Oh, God. Okay, so Dan is never going to watch Becky, but everyone else should definitely check it out. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is, is, Dan. That, is that the end? Yep, that's it. That's, that's the end. There's not much I can go into without giving a lot of it away and I'm okay with spoilers but not when the film is this new, so... That's fair. Everyone should check it out and then get back to me, uh, send us emails and tell me what you thought about it. Now, did you want to go on to your next film and then I can lead into my film into the last film? Or did, Oh, I can? Yeah, because, sure. I, because I, I'm just going to say it. I, I watched Hellraiser 3, but we also, for our homework, we did Hellraiser Bloodline. So it'd be easier if I just talk about 3 than Bloodline. Or would it be? Well, no, it would be. It would be. It would be. It would be. We'll have a nice segue. Yeah. All right. So this month is also Pride Month and I decided <laughs> to watch something a little bit horror and a little bit gay. So, of course, I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, the gayest film of all time. Yeah, I wasn't laughing because it was Pride Month, by the way. I was laughing because when you said because it's Pride Month and then I saw what you'd watched. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
cigarette. See, this um, is one you're going to have to explain to me why this is such a, apparently a gay film because I skipped Nightmare on Street two. Okay, I went from yeah. one to three, and I don't know why that happened, but um, convinced me to watch this film. I, oh, Dan, I really don't want to convince you because oh, it is, it is not a good film. Um, so David Shaskin is the writer. Um, and he did the script with all this homoerotic undertones, and it is very apparent throughout the whole film. Um, and then, of course, everyone's like talking about how this is sort of relative to the young lad. Oh, I can't remember what the character is. Jesse, um, you know, he's got homosexual tendencies, and wait, he screams he like a girl. He screams like a girl. Um, yeah, so it's basically kind of like a very subtle way of saying that he was gay and didn't know how to come out about being gay. So he was kind of using Freddie to. Yeah, right. I don't know. He's the man. Basically, of his, he's the man of his dreams. <laughs> he is the man of his own dreams. Um, so a new family moves into the house on Elm Street, and before long, the kids are again having nightmares about deceased child murderer Freddie Krueger. Um, this time, Freddy attempts to possess a teenage boy to cause havoc in the real world and can only be overcome if the boy's sweetheart can master her fear. So he's trying to manifest himself in the flesh. Why? He is. Why? This film just basically shits all over the lore that is A Nightmare on Elm Street. So uh, Wes Craven had nothing to do with this film in any way, shape or form, and you can tell. So with a runtime of like 75 minutes or something, Freddy Krueger is only in it for a total of 17 minutes. Mm, and the rest he is teen comes angst. out in Oh, there's so much teen, teen angst and wailing and crying and sweaty half-naked boy and just yeah, it's Keep talking. It's <laughs> <laughs> sweaty half-naked boy. Um, you know, so Freddy actually manifests in the real world. He comes out. Hang into on, the real is that world. the one where there's a party and he's running around a swimming pool? Yes. Just going like, yes. hey. Or maybe the, I have seen a, it. Is that the one you where he's is, is that the one where he has long arms? No. Is it the one where he, the uh, the boy is having a dream and he's like, "You've got the body and I've got the brains." And yes. He, and he pulls his like head open. Yes, which is oh. a fantastic scene, by the way, probably the bit. And then, and then the boy proceeds to scream the most girly scream I have ever heard in my life. Okay, so I have seen this. I just blended it with number You've one just a bit. It yeah. Out. No, I think I blended those scenes with number one because that's, that's, that's the only two things. But I do remember Freddie just coming out into the real world and him just seeing like this weirdo dude just running around going hey! at at Pretty people, much. like actually so just like rub waving his hands around in the air in front of people at a party? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. And so, you know, he's he's in the real world. He's killing kids left, right and centre. So it just sort of disregards the lore of him. He's not been pulled out of a dream at all, no. not even a little bit. He's just there and then he's killing people and it's terrible. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I don't really want to convince you to watch it, Dan. No, nah, I've seen it. I know, I know which one it is now. Um, um, I look. I was watching it because I did want to watch some films for Pride Month, and this is leading me up to um, watch what? Sorry, watching uh, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, um, which is a documentary 
uh, about Mark Patton, who played Jesse, and it this film has basically ruined his career. Why is that? Because it was so bad. Because it went well. I mean, to be honest, his acting is absolutely terrible. Well, that means he ruined his own career. He did, but because this film, like, he was a gay actor being told to not be gay or do anything gay, that kind of, like, you know, if you're gay in Hollywood, you're never going to work. But but the film had massive gay undertones. Yes. So So this documentary uh, visits that whole thing, and the um, but I haven't been able to find a copy. It has been available on Amazon in America, just not here, so it's been posing very hard to get hold of. But that's something that I am intending to watch. Yeah, right. I didn't know any of that. I mean, I've seen that film and I don't. I didn't catch on to any of the, uh, the LGBT themes at all. Um, well, in that case, watch it again because... Might, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe now I know, know it'll be a bit more ham-fisted. But like, back in the day, though, there was like... There could have been like uh, LGBT themes and tomes through stuff, and I just wouldn't have noticed. I just would have watched it. <laughs> it's true. This one is very apparent. Like he ends up like sleepwalking into an S and M club, and his coach is there, and you know oh, his coach ends up taking him back to the high school to make him run laps, and then you know he has this horrific death in the shower, all strung up, and um, you know he's flagellated and stuff like that. So. It's it's pretty brutal. It's yeah, it's very gay. Yeah, it's right. very gay. And the coach is played by um Marshall Bell, who uh, he's he's well known. He's in Airheads as like the main cop. He's in Starship Troopers. He's in so many films. Oh yeah, yeah. Um if you know him, you'd saw him. Yeah, I know. So yeah. All um, right. So not a what what did you give it? I you, believe... you didn't put it in your letterbox. Oh, I'm so sorry. I did watch it. I gave it two and a half stars. Two and a half. All right. Yeah, that's a. It's pretty low, low, low hanging fruit. <laughs> it is, and you know, I know I meant to support the the gay undertones of everything, but yeah, this was just a terrible. Oh, maybe uh, you got to consider it in the way were the gay undertones uh, the things that made it a bad film? No, it probably wasn't. No, it was probably the bad acting and the bad editing and and everything true. else. Honestly speaking, this this film could have been a completely different horror film and not had anything to do with Freddy Krueger and still actually worked. Yeah. I think that they were just trying to really grasp at they needed to turn this into a franchise. Wes Craven didn't want it to be a franchise. He's like, no, it's one film, that's it. And they're like, well, fuck you, we're going to make it anyway. Mm. They were trying to capture that lightning in a bottle again of the first one. But, yeah, they didn't yeah. really get what the first one was about, so... Goodbye, lightning. <laughs> but then at least oh, Wes Craven yeah. came back for number three and pretty much did a and we got stonker. One of the, oh, Dream Warriors. Oh, yeah. As you are so appropriately named. <laughs> it is, It is, in my opinion, the best of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Cool. All right, so moving on to me, Hellraiser 3 from 1992. I've put this under the category of Devil and Demon and Hell, <laughs> which on our chart is a thing. I don't know why there's two ands in there, but there are. Um, so, story of Hellraiser 3. Now, I'm going to get these mixed up because I've watched two Hellraisers this week, but um, I, yeah. I've mentioned this before, and I'm going to, I am a massive Hellraiser fan. Um, so, I've tried to do these, um, especially the Bloodline one, as uh, I've asked questions as someone who's ne- not really into Hellraiser. 
what they would be asking and I'm going to answer those kind of questions because I know the answers, but that doesn't make it a good film. Anyhow, Hellraiser 3. So this one um, was not done by Clive Barker, I don't think. Um, he was there, but I don't think he had much to do with it. Actually, I, um, don't quote me on that. Oh, yeah, I've got Producer. A... Producer, yeah. So yeah. a producer is, you know... So, and it was directed by Anthony Hickox. Hickox? I don't know how to say his name. He's done a whole bunch of films. He did Warlock 2. Um, I've never ho- seen any of the Warlock films. Yeah, neither have I really. He's done like some Steven Seagal film. He's done a whole bunch of, you know, those films that just look oh, like other waxwork. films. What? Yeah, he did Waxwork. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, anyhow, the film, the story. Yes. Hellraiser 3. Um, so basically it starts off, so if you remember, if anyone remembers the end of Hellraiser 2, uh, which, uh, basically Hellraiser 2 ends with, uh, Pinhead kind of, um, coming, uh, to grips with his, uh, he was a human once and it kind of, he devolves back into a human at the last stages. So basically gets rid of his, his, uh, uh, uh Leviathan's grasp on him, um, and let uh, Kirsty go, and um, so basically splitting himself into two entities, kind of thing. At the end, uh, the evil, which is Pinhead, being so pin- uh, evil, it uh, manifests itself into like a revolving statue that comes out of a mattress at the end, which doesn't quite make much sense. Anyhow, leading with that, um, so they bought straight away. They bought the uh, uh, the revolving statue back into it. A a rich. A rich, like, entrepreneur, nightclub owner, young kid named JP buys the um, the, the statue for his uh, his horror-themed nightclub, which is, has like, had all this uh, evil imagery around and everything. But, like, the music was just so just, like, the planet or the big ticket or heaven nightclub, which is, if you live in Adelaide, you understand what I mean. Um, I've never been to any one of those clubs. It was just so non-horror, the music in the bar, which made it funny. Um, So, and then he, uh, obviously he puts the statue in his room um, while he's getting it ready and then a a girl gets sucked into it and Pinhead talks to him through the statue and he convinces him to help him out kind of thing, you know. And then the film goes with uh, uh, Pinhead, gets a couple of people inside the statue and he can come out again. And he is an un, um, he's an untapped pinhead, as in he doesn't have any of the human characteristics of him. He's not controlled by hell. He's not controlled by Leviathan. Um, uh, so, and for people who don't know what I'm talking about when I say Leviathan, but in the pinhead, uh, in the noir, uh, the, the lore of Hellraiser, so I've done I've done the books of the damned I've done the comics and I've done the first two films which are the only things you really have to count anything after the first two films actually in my opinion don't count in the Hellraiser law because they break all the the rules so Leviathan yep. is the god of where uh, Pinhead comes from he is the god of ple- of desire and suffering he is a giant elongated um what what, what is that I've got in here uh, a uh, uh, an octahedron floating in space. He floats above the labyrinth, which is like the labyrinth which represents the labyrinth of, of our minds. Um, Pinhead is a like a soldier for him. Um, they go out, and Leviathan is obsessed with order. He is obsessed with rules and order. 
Um, that is why there are so many rules in the Hellraiser universe, which makes it really cool that um, he, everyone has to follow to the T. And he sees humans, when humans came along, because he existed before humans, he sees humans as chaotic and he can't handle them. He can't handle the idea of these chaotic humans that don't have uh, order, they don't abide by rules, strict rules of like of nature and stuff like that. They are they're totally out. So he he basically um, and he also lives off of fear, desire, um, suffering, and stuff like that. So he sends his like his his troops out, um, which are the Cenobites, to pull people into hell, which powers him. He also, if you're a certain kind of person, he turns you into a Cenobite. Um, which are his leaders. Every, um, and uh, see, I'm getting way away from the film, so I'm just giving everyone a Hellraiser le- uh, history lesson. Is that fine with you, Jen? That's fine. Please. Because um, it will make the second, to... it will make when we talk about the next film make more sense. Yes. Um, did you want to plug some key titles that people could maybe go and pick up? The uh, comic titles or the books themselves? Well, definitely if you can ever get a hold of the books of the damned, there's four of them. They are basically dossiers on everything about Hellraiser. Um, done by Clive Parker. So like as if they're they're like fake, like as if a crazy person that was studying the the like Leviathan was real and all his like research that he'd created over four books. Yep. And that's how you read it. You read it as like like uh, like you know rubbings of the box and all stuff like that i mean we could go further back about the the making the creation of the box so the, the box isn't evil the box yeah. is a gateway which is used by leviathan that can pull people in but it's, it pulls the, it pulls the cenobites out into our world but also so if you open the box it pulls the cenobites out if you close if you solve the box again it pulls them away it's as simple yeah. as that if you solve the box while you're in hell um, it null and voids Leviathan for a while, and everyone he's captured recently get like gets like let out, kind of thing. So the yep. box isn't purely an evil thing. The puzzle box, uh, and I'm not even going to get into that because actually gets a bit into it in Bloodline. Um, so where was it? So yeah, so Pinhead um, is a hell priest, and he has so he has a, he has but usually a couple of people under him. There are like kind of squadrons of these Cenobites. And everyone has a hell priest, and where Pinhead is that. And then the whole squad itself is called a gash. And I love that idea. Like, so Pinhead's gash. It's like the word gash. Yeah, gash. Um, gash. So we, we saw in, like, the original Hellraisers, you had, like, Chatter, Butterball, um, the other girl, I can't remember her name, was his gash. And they're really, really well done, really thought out Cenobites. So anyhow, there's your, there's your Hellraiser lesson. So getting back to the film. So... This un so this this pinhead which was not is the pure evil of pinhead not um you know not held uh not under the command of Leviathan just goes out into the real world and decides to do hell on earth um he creates a whole bunch of uh pseudo pseudo cenobites they call which is a thing so they're cenobites created by another cenobite not created by Leviathan so they're not uh they're not complete kind of thing but. In this movie, he he may have created the, the the writer of this film or whoever did it created pro- pretty much, in my opinion, the shittest line of Cenobites I've ever seen in my entire life. They okay. were so crap. One had uh. a bloody one because uh, it was all done through a, the nightclub scene. One yep. had CDs all in him, and he threw compact discs which blew up. 
Um, <laughs> one had a video camera stuck into his head, which like for some reason when it looked at stuff, it would explode into a fireball, which, and then he would say a line like, you know, that's a cut or like, you know, some sort of like line. Um, and the other one was a guy who was the bartender who sh- shook up drinks and then threw them at you, which covered you in petrol, and then he breathed out fire, which caught you on fire. These were the like the most un-Hellraiser, un-law kind of things ever in the thing. I was like appalled. I was like, oh, my God, this is so crap. It did have, though, some good deaths in it. It opens yeah. with a, a head exploding. Um, of a guy who had been attacked by uh, the sen- uh, the uh, uh, pinhead and he escaped, which doesn't actually make sense because no one escapes um, except for Kirsty. Um, and his head explodes. You see it all. It's slow motion, like you know, scanners style kind of thing. Yeah. It has a bit where like a, a girl is being held up off the ground by chains, and then a chain goes into her forehead, and then it rips out and it pulls all of her skin off. Like from her. They do fo- like this the skinning of people in in Hellraiser. I I found. Well, there within Hell, there are two races of people. There are like the skinned. There are tribes. Yeah. So there are the skinned and the something or other. I can't. I can't remember what they're actually called. They've got two names. But yes, there's a bunch of people without skin, and there are a bunch of people who are like kind of these other things. Which are they? I've seen that they are putting in the Hellraiser show, which um. I'm really good. So the Hellraiser show, TV show that's coming up, I've read into a bit. They're using all of this lore I'm talking about, but they are changing it a bit. Like Leviathan, he just looks like a giant god. He's not a giant heterodite. What's that shape I said? Um, Octahedron. Yeah. Which I kind of love the octahedron part of it. Anyhow. Um, Anyhow. Yeah, so... (laughs) <laughs> so, at the end, it goes. It goes so. It's so ham-fisted. They've ruined and anything after Hellraiser two. They have ruined Pinhead. Pinhead talks too much in them. He doesn't seem like this all-powerful dude. He seems like a babbling idiot most of the time in these things. Yeah. Um. Really takes away from his character. Like I think what's made the Cenobites so scary in the first few films is they they were met. They were people of little words. Like, they didn't yes. say much. And when they did say stuff, they were, like, really kind of, like, you know, like, going to tear your soul apart. And then they don't follow that up with a monologue. They just kind of, like, a chain will come out of nowhere and rip your face off and stuff. Yeah, yeah I find that that takes away from a character quite a lot. So on the one hand, you've got your Jason and your Michael, and they don't speak at all, and it works very well for them. Yeah. With Freddy, he talks a lot. But what he's saying is comical. It is well done. He's definitely a different vibe. He's, yeah. So I feel that with Pinhead nowadays, like it is a monologue. I mean, don't get me wrong, Doug Bradley has a very lovely speaking voice. But But they give him too many lines. it It does take away from how sinister and kind of evil he is. Yeah, oh, dude, it, it's like in the new Fre- the Nightmare on Elm Street remake when they made Freddy, like, he didn't say much at all and they kind of made him that silent killer guy. It didn't work. Yeah, no. Like, yeah. You, needed those, I, you needed those one-liners for it to be that kind of thing. Like, what kind of dude yeah. invades your Freddy dreams? Freddy fun. Just, yeah. You don't mind Freddy, you, you don't mind Robert England as Freddy. Like, oh, he killed a bunch of children? That's fine. He's a funny guy. He's so charming. Look yeah, at him go. At least he didn't rape I'm, them. You, well, <laughs> like, Jackie O'Haley. Anyway. 
Um, it does look like that um, Doug Bradley actually played a part in the makeup department for Hellraiser 3, so I'm very interested to find out whether or not he designed these Cenobites that you hate so much. Oh, they're the worst. I actually think Pinhead hasn't looked good since Hellraiser 1 and 2 as well. Like His makeup, when they do it, they made his two baby-faced. In the first one, he's like his makeup was right. His kind of face was long and elongated. In the new ones, he's got mm. these chubby cheeks, and it might just be because he was aging. Like he was just getting older and a bit less fit. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, if you see him now, he he does have the jowls happening. He he is definitely getting getting older. I mean, he, he's yeah. what close to seventy now. So, mm. well, yeah. Cutting back to Heroes Three, the main yeah. the main, the main uh, protagonist is a, a reporter who starts reporting on all this stuff. Um, she ends up getting. Uh, she has dreams, and the original Pinhead, like as in the good version of him, is like invading her dreams, um, telling, trying to help her out. And he's like, you know, you have to bring him to the window of your mind, and I'll fight him. And they end up like, um, so it's like it's like Pinhead the soldier versus Pinhead, uh, and at the end they merge together and stuff, and then. You know, it, yep. it, it's got this ending. It's fine. Uh, she she uh, she doesn't really get a story. She just more gets to survive. <laughs> but, like, um, sure. but, yeah. So is this the one where they, because, I mean, like I say, I I know I've seen the first three, but it would have been like 20 years ago. I've not really revisited them. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the one where they sort of give Pinhead, try to give Pinhead more of a, you know, he was a human at one point and now he's not. No, and that's number of, two. That's number two? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they, right. that that was – so that isn't, like, explaining that Pinhead was human. That was explaining that Leviathan takes humans and turns them into Cenobites. So they yeah. had a past. They were okay. human at one stage kind of thing. And that is the thing where Pinhead, Pinhead didn't know. And it, she, uh, Kirsty found out and showed him a photo of him for himself. And he was like – that's when Pinhead starts to uh, rebel against Leviathan, which happens um, a lot in like the comics and stuff like that as well. Um, he goes a bit rogue, but in this yeah. one, they in Hellraiser two, they kind of like, they, his his power is pulled out of him, so he reverts back to being his normal human self, and then dies. <laughs> and sure. then, uh, but the end, his evil of Pinhead is kind of transferred into this statue. Um, okay. Which the statue has been in all of the Hellraisers up until that point, so it made sense. At the end, um, uh, the the reporter lady—I can't remember her name. Her name was Joey. She yep. um, she puts the the puzzle box into a vat of cement of a foundations of a building, which now will probably make a little bit more sense to you. So in the third, the, the fourth film, aha, I know. Right, was, yep. So we're going to move straight into the fourth film now. So. Oh. Uh, Hellraiser, Hellraiser three wasn't um, it just it just didn't cut it. Yeah, it was. It, it had good deaths, and that stuff mm-hmm. was all there. The gore was there. It's just the story really like, let it let it, it let itself down in the story department quite consi- well, considerably. We can blame a lack of Clive Barker for that. So. Exactly, and it doesn't. Yeah, it's like someone was like, see. What makes Hellraiser great is, number one, the rules, as I was talking about before. There are so many rules, and they all make sense. Um, and what made it good is, like, Pinhead may be in Hellraiser, but he is not supposed to be the main character. The main character is 
Leviathan, the hell, the the chains, the puzzle box, where it takes you and the people that escape it. Because there are rules, they can get around the rules and bend the rules, which is what I really yeah. like. Like you can yeah, find out. Can a, be bargained with. And Leviathan is, is cool with that. He just sends, he goes, oh, they escaped. I will just send out the a, a gash to go grip, grab them back kind of thing. He um, flashed his gash, did he? He flashes his gash around and they're like, <laughs> oh, Leviathan, okay. Well, I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but where Hellraiser 3 was the first one and then from then on it was all about Pinhead and Pinhead isn't the main focus of Hellraiser in my opinion. Yeah. As soon as you make him the main focus, like, yeah. I mean, they did have, there was um, in Hellraiser 3, they did a quick reference to Leviathan where she changed the puzzle box into Le- the Levith- Le- Leviathan configuration and stabbed Pinhead. Yeah. Uh, and that's how they killed him. Um, I don't know why that would kill him, but <laughs> they did that. Um, yeah, but it didn't have any references. Yeah, there was, the engineer wasn't in it any of the, or any of the other like kind of like uh, people who work in, in hell. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay. but that leads straight into Hellraiser Bloodline. I'll let you speak. Ha. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. This film was terrible. I mean, uh, I watched them both in a row. This film, yeah, was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this film came out in 1996. So you imagine 1996. Released by Dimension, um, which did Scream, which was also released in 1996. So straight away, I'm holding up this movie. Next to Scream. To Scream. This company released both these films. Like, what the fuck were you doing? Okay. That's my first little complaint about it. I apologize. Um, Don't apologize. I love the tagline for this film. This year. The past, the present, and the future will all meet at the crossroads of hell. And it does. But so, it doesn't because what that it, film did, uh, did wrong is they made Pinhead the main as if he was like hell. Yes. But he's not. Pinhead's not hell. No. no. So the film, before we sort of get into this, what was originally planned to be released versus what was released were two very different things. So the film was um, directed by Kevin Yeager, um, who is actually more known for his makeup and special effects artistry than directing. He pulled out, like he dropped out of this film, which is why the film is released um, as an Alan Smithy or Smythy film. Oh, Alan Smithy. Yeah. (laughs) So that is an official pseudonym used by film directors who wish to disown a project. Yeah. It's like they're they're kicking the jig. It's like they're fucked off for a good reason. Or they got kicked off of the, or they got kicked out because they were shit. Yeah, (laughs) James Cameron. Anyway, (laughs) um, this film had like a $4 million budget and they just would not budge on the story. They wouldn't budge on, they just, Dimension was just being dicks about it. And while this film has been like praised by critics in some, like fans, I guess. It should, no, there wouldn't be fans. I am a fan and I do not praise it. So this is it. This is the film, the last Hellraiser movie to get a wide theatrical release. After um, that, they're like, "Fuck ev- no!" <laughs> so this is the film that basically ruined the Hellraiser franchise. 
Um, so everything else from there on out, unless it was screamed at like a fright fest or anything like that, it just basically went straight to video. Straight so, to video. Or nowadays, yeah. straight to straight to download. Video on demand. <laughs> straight to yes. VOD. That's it. VOD. Yeah. Okay. So that's my little tidbits for this because looking into this film was absolutely just revoltingly entertaining because it just did so badly for so very many, many reasons. Um, well, the One of the main reasons is probably what you, you as not as much of a, a Cenobite fan as me, is like it explains nothing to you, but you're supposed to know all of the lore of Hellraiser, which it yeah. doesn't it doesn't tell you, but also it doesn't it also doesn't follow it properly. <laughs> like it as I said before, it makes it like, you know, they're going on about like light and darkness and they're gonna trap like hell and destroy the puzzle box and hell with it. And I'm like, that's not there's hundreds of puzzle boxes. There's the puzzle box isn't the bad guy. And number two, Pinhead isn't hell. Like, like you destroy him. Leviathan will just make another Cenobite. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So essentially this film is set, uh, so it's it starts in the 22nd century, so I think the year is 2175 or something like that, and a scientist attempts to right the wrongs his ancestors created, the puzzle box that opens the gates of hell and unleashes Pinhead and his Cenobite legions. So the film starts out in the future. This guy's on a space station. He unleashes <laughs> straight away from the box. It's, 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 and... tw- it's twenty-one twenty-seven. Okay. Um, and as he does this, he is swept by this like this military, and they hold him hostage. And he's just like, "Oh, you wouldn't believe me if I told you." But if I tell you, will you let me go? And she's like, okay. Is it in, no, it's and, one of those, like, in, he's incarcerated, tell me your story, and that's the flashback of the film? Like, Yeah. So then the film jumps back to the 17th century, I 1700s, yep. Yeah, where he is playing his ancestor who creates uh, the lament configuration and takes it to this wealthy aristocrat who uses it to summon for Angelique. Um, who they do not explain anything about her. I actually had to look it up on Wikipedia, and not just Wikipedia, the Hellraiser wiki, to figure out who the shit she was. So um, she is the is princess it, of hell. Yeah, that's all they say. Ah, oh, the princess, yeah. they keep calling her. And I'm like, no yeah. one's going to know what that means. <laughs> like, she is the princess of hell, princess of torture. She's the daughter of Leviathan. But they um, never say that in the film. But they don't explain that. So I'm sitting there going, I don't know who this hot lady is talking to a very, very baby-faced Adam Scott, which I could not get over. Yeah, that's um, weird, isn't it? Adam Scott being in that film. And he- oh, God, yeah. it's He's just so young and just I just want to, like, squish his little cheeks. And his fringe is always in his face. He's got this huge yeah, long fringe that he keeps that pushing terrible back. wig. Ugh, Ugh. so bad. Um, and then, of course, the film jumps from the 17th century to present day where the his ancestor, again, is he's like an architecture building basically this giant puzzle box and is receiving all this praise for it. So the puzzle box, though, is like it's etched in his blood, apparently, as in like it keeps like yeah. he can't not make the puzzle box. He is the toy maker, they call him. Uh, yeah. He he makes the box, uh, which... All that stuff with like the uh, the uh, the seventeen hundreds stuff is pretty accurate to what it was. It was just done in a pretty ham fisted way, if you know what I mean. 
Um, but yeah, once again, you need to know so much for any of this movie to make sense, which yeah. explains nothing. But as I said, yeah. it keeps breaking those rules as well. Yeah. So it, I found the film to be very sort of dark and gritty, but unnecessarily so. Um, and then it just the the gore was super weak source. It was just it was a lot of blood and mush being thrown around with yeah. very little visuals to back it up or shadows. Yeah, and yeah. you never saw what was happening. You it was like someone. It was like it was like a nine a super old horror film with an old lot of shot, and they show an axe hitting something, but you don't see what it's hitting. And I'm like, yeah, all the other ones like they were known. Like think about like Hellraiser one when you saw like uh, like brother frank like cousin frank getting ripped apart and stuff by the chains and all that stuff when yeah do you remember that he's like he's so pulled nearly apart and he just looks at the camera and goes jesus wept and then gets pulled apart I'm like oh my god like there was That's none it. of those amazing things in this film. there was nothing there was nothing no and in this one like you're talking about how pinhead talks too much he he rambled the fuck on and it was about a lot of useless stuff that made no sense but also i feel like so angelique was meant to destroy the bloodline and she didn't so he came down and it's kind of like when he's middle management of hell being sent down because she couldn't do her job and now he's there going well you didn't do your job properly now i'm gonna have to clean up your mess oh blah 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 he was because it's weird because he had theoretically gone rogue because like had it, well it doesn't make any sense like she's the daughter of hell yeah um it doesn't say any it, it you know it, it goes into that whole thing of like how hell has changed and all that stuff yeah. and it doesn't give you any indication of like what's different about it <laughs> like, yeah because she'd been gone for like 200 years at this point so yeah. he you know a lot's changed princess because and... she sees the cenobites and she's like oh different look you're running these days <laughs> like yeah they do have quite a lot of chit chat like i feel that this could have been an episode of sex in the city where they're sitting down having a chat about like how's hell going ho ho i don't know like what's ha- what's happening in Earth? oh you know just fucking and killing a bunch of men it's been great yeah well, yeah. Pinhead's gash in this is so fucking yeah. boring. They're not even they don't even need to be in the film. No, like, they, they are pretty useless. That one uh so and and they they're kind of as shit. Wait, which one's which? Which what 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 were the Cenobites in this one? Can you remember? Okay, so we had the Chatterer Beast which was That was I okay. Believe, that was the dog. So that looked I think they described it as if a man and a dog were mangled together in a car accident. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are beasts in hell and there's like yeah. there are references to um, in the Scarlet Gospels, which is one of the Clive Barker novels, like the most recent ones, they do reference uh, Pinhead's like beast that he has, um, Yeah, which is kind of like that. So I reckon they might have been like, yeah, they were, you know, um, using a bit of, they found some, you know, some source material. But yeah. that, that thing was fine and it looked good. I had some CG moments. I didn't mind it. it had some sliding around corner moments when it was running. I thought that looked okay. Mm. Um, so they also had the twins, the two twins that were turned into a uh, Siamese Cenobite. Yeah, these like themed Cenobites they keep doing. I'm just like, 
Yeah. See, that bothered me on a couple of levels because I'm like, hey, nobody's going to hire twin brothers to be security guards, especially when they were as useless as they were. They were I feel that they were in there to be some form of comedy and comedic relief because of the way they bounced off each other in that true twin fashion, like, oh, you didn't It's like they twin found twins. We have to put that. these guys in the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's make a centibite around them. And, like, yeah, it didn't really. And, like, when it killed the people, like, like yeah, there was just no death in that film. Like, like show, really, show when, it. When they were, like, creating the twins into that one centibite, it was so slow moving. And they basically, like, melded their faces together with, um, it didn't show it. it, but they didn't show it. Yeah, like it, just it took forever for some drills to s- drill on screen. But like, not only did it not show, it didn't show where the drills were coming from or what they were on or anything. It showed bits coming yeah. out of stuff, but like, it never zoomed out and gave you a wide shot of what it was coming out of. And so you just like, yeah. what are they? And I know the whole thing is with the chains. You know, the chains just come out of nowhere. But this was supposed to yeah. be on a machine because it showed it later. But it, like, at the start, you're just like, I don't know what's going on. Everything was so Michael Bay shot, as in it was like right as close as it possibly could be. So you couldn't yep. tell if it was done badly. <laughs> like I always yeah. find Michael Bay and does that in his fighting and action uh, scenes. Michael Bay's a piece of shit. Oh. Um, sorry. I'll tell him that. <laughs> just, yeah, please. Please tell him that. Um, I did like the look of Angelique as a Cenobite. Oh, yeah. Here's another thing they don't explain to you. When they come back in the 22nd century, Angelique is there, but she's not this gorgeous woman anymore. She is a Cenobite. Yeah. And they don't explain why she's a Cenobite. I don't understand why Leviathan would let, would put Angelique under a hell priest. She's the yeah. princess. Why would he, she come back as part of his gash? I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. And like, but she did. Yeah. She looked great, and she acted like she a Cenobite as well. She you know she had just hardly any words. Like that yep, is what she they was need. Fantastic. They need to be like silent and deadly, like a good fart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree with that. But now she looked great. Um, I actually used her for the uh, thumbnail of this. Oh yes, really. <laughs> yeah, because I I thought her design was absolutely fantastic. Um, I think that was one of the things about this film that did impress me because even even Pinhead, his makeup was like I just found it very again baby faced, baby faced, and then there was just like this whole area where he just had no pin. Yeah, on, like, his, on his chin. chin. Like, yeah, did I'm you like, miss something, guys? Or yeah, it's what, like they didn't thought? get the they didn't get the the thing right. They, yeah, mean, uh, the the pattern. He's like cross sections or whatever they are. Uh, yeah, I noticed that as well. And also, it ends. With him blowing Ooh. up Pinhead, and I, as in, like, that's the end of everything. Hell has been stopped. And I'm like, ah, you don't yes. get it. That's like that's like killing a soldier from an army and going, the army is defeated after killing one, <laughs> de- like, one general or something like that. Like, This nah. was actually, so I read up a lot on this film and I think I can, I'm not going to give this film a pass because it's just a terrible film all around. But knowing why it is so shit kind of makes me feel a little bit I, I like I pity this film over anything else. Yeah, so this it, it film could have been better. Be, it could have been wait. Like now I kind of want to see the actual cut that should have been released. Or even maybe just the, the script, because uh, the fact they had like all these references to stuff in it, it, it makes me mm. feel like they were gonna make it like true to the original you know, like 
the first two films. But yeah. I think everything I just think, got cut out that none of the suits understood that yeah. they hadn't seen it, the first the first film. So they were just like, And well, obviously it wasn't working with the budget either. Yeah. So that's the thing. So this was meant to be the last film in the franchise. It was meant to be the death of Pinhead. Yeah. Um, and like, and, and the about. death of like the puzzle box apparently. Like the, but I'm like, yeah. But they only, they only got one puzzle box. <laughs> so they, I think they had no intention of going any further with the film's franchises, and of course they did. Um, but it, and again, like a lot of these films aren't good going on because they wanted to hold the rights to them. So every couple of years, you've either got to give up the rights or make a film. So they just make a film. It doesn't have to be good. They can wait until something good comes along, and then they can make something glorious. Well, they got that. Um, we've watched a couple of the recent Hellraisers, and they have nothing to do with Hellraiser. Do you remember no, that one I... we watched with the cop, and like just Pinhead came up seriously in the last five minutes? Yeah, I feel that it was that judgment. I think it was the last one, which was like well, twenty twelve. In or in that one, they also loosely tied it to it that if you, I don't know if you remember, but the the person he was after, the um the killer was called the engineer, and the, yes. en- the engineer is the dude in Hell. Uh, do you remember Hellraiser one and? One, yeah, vaguely. Do you remember when they go into hell and there's that big monster with a face that kind of chases them down the corridor? Yeah, that's the yeah. engineer. Yeah, that's the engineer. He 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 yeah. uh, he just he's he's like the garbage man of hell. He actually makes all of the Cenobites uh, killing instruments as well. I don't okay. know how he doesn't seem very dexterous, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what can you do? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, I gave this film. Uh, what did I give it? I gave it two stars. Yeah, I don't even know what I gave it. I gave. I it, think I gave I, it two I, stars I, as well because um, I gave it two and a half, just because I always feel like ooh. two had pin. You know what I mean? It's still ooh. part of Hellraiser. But yeah, I look. I gave it two. Uh, I've, I've, no, nah, I've dragged it down to two. <laughs> okay. Well, Kim Myers is also in it. Who was? Um, she was also in the Nightmare on Elm Street two. So I was sort of came from Nightmare on Elm Street two, going, "Oh, I love that Meryl Streep looking motherfucker." So she's oh she's look she's in this and that little kid from the Shining TV series is in it as well like briefly I like that too yeah okay two stars there's that line in it where Pinhead is like I have heard like there's nothing worse th- for a parent than losing a child and I'm like you're fucking Pinhead mate you've been around yeah, for right? centuries you would have known that like you're the master of pain and suffering and he just brings that up like I heard. Yeah. <laughs> like, and anyway, as soon as he said that, I'm like, just stop talking, mate. You're ruining it. I did enjoy the scene. What's that? I did enjoy the scene where they're on the ship and it's like the last bit and he's, t- he's talking to um, Dr. Paul Merchant and then he disappears and he's like, what? What are you doing? What is this? What is, what's happening? And he's like, Polygram bitches. Yeah. And he kind of just has this like oh. And if his if his internal monologue could have come up on the screen and it would be like, I've been bamboozled. This is not good at all. Well the, the oh, other shit. thing is, the other thing is like he he traps them in a room as if they're just humans, the Cenobites. I'm like, they yeah. appear through doors that don't exist. I'm sure they can just leave through doors that don't exist as well, because like yeah, like <sighs> it just doesn't make any <laughs> None of this film made a lot of sense, and I like why did he just very... appear exactly in the spaceship where he wasn't kill him? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, well that's right. 
you know, they'd been sitting there gas bagging about the past and the of you know everything, and I'm led to believe that Pinhead's just you know tottering around a spaceship, going, "Yeah, I'm just uh, he's he's having a chat with someone else right now. There's not a lot I can do about it, but I'll just uh, hang out and uh, enjoy the view." Mm. What the fuck? Yeah. So overall, uh, my professional. Uh, horror advice is that you, <laughs> you you stick to Hellraiser one, Hellraiser yeah. two, and yeah. then if you want more, you go back, you read either the novels or no, you read the book the the, the books of the damned. The books of the yeah. damned are great. They're half. They're kind of like they're fun. They're like they got lots of pictures. There's lots of rubbings, as in like of the box. It explains what every part of the bo- the puzzle box means, like actual like all the visuals on it and stuff. Um, it does everything, everything you want to know. And then if you really want more, you get into the comics and you read the ones that are written by Clive Barker. Um, they are canon. They are everything to do with it. Um, definitely worth looking into. Um, they, I think uh, they're, they're published by Dark Horse. So I think there's a okay. bunch, bunch. I think they did like a – the latest one was called The Dark Watch, which Pinhead is now a woman. So he, the, the original oh. Pinhead is, is Rogue. And they, I uh, have Leviathan seen the Lady a... Pinhead statues. Yeah. Oh, not they're not those sexy ones. Not the sexy ones. No, like she's white, and she's got. Mm. Um, it's very cool. Right? It all works. It makes sense. And some of the stories aren't as good as others. There's actually like a group of people that um, I can't remember what they're called. They've got a great name, and they kill Cenobites. They're like anti Cenobite hunters, and um, oh, they make sense. Yeah, it's great. It's such a good like. Like they can't stop them, and you can't stop Leviathan. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm really interested to know what this new TV show is going to be like. We should talk about yeah. that. Right? As I said, they've, uh, there's been some new stuff recently. They've like put up like some like visuals or something from it. Like uh, uh, fantastic art, art, whatever it's called. What's that stuff called? Um, I've just drawn a complete and utter blank. You know when people the, um, the art for the movies. You know what yeah, I mean? concept art, concept, concept art, and stuff like that. Yeah. But showing stuff, some like changes and stuff. Um. But apparently they keep it's it's like it's set like at the beginning, as in like it's I think it's mostly about hell and Leviathan and the the hierarchy of hell and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm so down with this. If they get this right, they could make the most horrible, awesome show. Like, and it doesn't even have to have like, you know, uh. It doesn't have to have you know people with CDs coming out of their heads and sh- uh, throwing margaritas at people and stuff like. Sure. It. Um, yeah. I, I'm just really interested. That's what I am. I'm really interested, and I find it really interesting that they have even considered making a a TV show. And by um, it's is it what was the company called? C um, C C um, C C W whatever it's called. No, no. Um, HBO? So it's HBO H- that's doing. Hellraiser, so you know it's going to be super sexy and violent. Yeah, great. I can't wait. I'm so into it. Well, we'll add that. So we've got Scream Watch 2020 and Hellraiser Watch 2020 now. Oh, yeah, man. We're going to be talking about those when, we, when they come out. Heck, yes. I mean, it might be crap. I might watch it and just go like, ugh. Like, I don't – I might be a fan of this stuff, but I, I can understand changing stuff. I can't understand changing Leviathan, the look of him. And I've seen what they like, want to do, and I'm like, I'm not really into that. He's just kind of like a giant yeah. god with, like, metal plates around him. But maybe mm-hmm. he turns into a um, – later on, he turns into a, an octahedron or <laughs> something. But I like the idea. He wakes I, up to it. 
I just love the idea of a god obsessed with with order, and he finds humans horrible because they're chaotic. Like, mm. And he, and he's the baddie. Like he's just, I just want my bloody, I just want shit to work. Okay, like <laughs> a little bit of peace and quiet, guys. Come on. Yeah. Anyhow, we're, we'll do that. Done. Um, I love it. Excellent, excellent. Now we we could go into the news. We have got a couple of news articles. Oh, yes, we do. Um, so we've got just a couple today. Um, so it looks like Ari Aster, and I do apologize if I keep pronouncing his name wrong. Ari. Um, Ari Aster Aster. I don't know. Um, he teases that his next movie is going to be a very long nightmare comedy. A very long. Um, so for people who don't know who he is, he's a guy that did Hereditary and he did, um, Midsummer. 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 Which Midsummer? Summer. Which are very, very long, slow burn horror films. Um, but I, I think Hereditary may be one of the best horror films I've ever seen. Like, it's so good, and Tony Collette, she was robbed of an Oscar. Oh. She, she was robbed of like any kind of nomination for any kind of award for that film. But you cannot tell me that that performance was spectacular a rule of thumb is if tony collette's in it it's you should watch it that is actually a real rule that like oh oh have we cut out oh no 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 i um i I just read something that he's also doing have we talked about it before that he's remaking save the green planet yes yes that's why we watched it yeah we were gonna watch it but i don't think either of us could find a decent copy that's right um, anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, that's fine. Um, yeah, me, me, yeah, so hereditary, man, like nothing's like it. Like, oh, no, like it is to... violence, it is unsettling, it is, but it's not just that, it's also like beautiful. Like, when you look at that yeah. film from a craft standard, you're just like, are you kidding me? And then on top of it, like you just at the end, you're just like, wow, that was so well shot. Like the acting is chronic. It's stellar acting. And then the story yeah. and then the end and you're right. And then someone comes along who's seen it before and they go, hey, did you notice that there's heaps of n- naked people hidden in all the shots? And you're like, what are you talking about? And you go back and now watch I've it. I've got to go back and watch it. And there's like, there's some scenes where there's 30 people standing in a shot and you didn't notice it. <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. crazy good. Like, I love that film more than anything. It is an amazing film, and I look. I will watch whatever he makes because he just has a way of making films that we're just not used to in this day and age. But yeah, especially Midsummer. Oh, that was brutal. But it was a, a film shot almost entirely during the daytime that still like gave you this whole sense of un like unset like dread throughout the whole film. And I mean, I like uh, Florence. Is it Florence Plue? Plue? Florence Plue? Um, she's fantastic. I kind of want her to start narrating things because she's just got a really nice voice that I like to listen to. I'm trying, um, I'm trying to work out what genre Midsummer is. <laughs> like, like it has to be psychological. Like, yeah, uh, it. Mm, I don't oh, know. He, uh, uh, what's that? Fan, fan, fanicism? 
Nah, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Keep going. I, I, yes. I'm ruining the podcast. <laughs> no, I don't know. So I think most people have put it as a, like a horror, drama, mystery, but of course that's just like a basic, so it could be like a psycho horror. It There's just, there's so much to it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, during a, a Reddit AMA, um, he stated that his next movie would either be a zonky nightmare comedy or a big, sickly, domestic melodrama. What is that? A zonky? Yeah. What He's is... been watching Scooby-Doo. Oh, is that what I mean? Does that mean like a zombie comedy? <laughs> no, like, zon- like oh, it's going to be like crazy. I don't know. Yeah, right. um, I wonder if he means like I... stuff like, like, the, like the dead won't die. Dead don't Possibly. die. Like that kind Except of comedy. Be... It's going to be four hours long. He just, he's just like claiming that straight up? He did. He's like, all I know, he's like, I all I know is gonna happen. I haven't written it's this film, be- but I know it's going to be four hours long. <laughs> oh, God, that is going to be a burn. That'd be People great. People are not going to sit in the cinema for that long. Oh, I mean, no. I will. I don't mind. Like something like that for me is fantastic. I'll hey, sit mate, for ages. If they want to do a film that's got an intermission, I will go and buy more food. Like, yes. I don't understand why they don't have that. Like, let's all go to the lobby thing again. If I've got um, an opportunity to buy food again, I will eat not one hot dog, but two hot dogs <laughs> during a film. I easily. Like, I do miss the cinema at the moment. Like, it's been however many months since being able to go to the cinema, and cinema popcorn is just next level. Well, you can't make it at home in the microwave. You can only make it at the cinema. At the cinema. In and I'm mid- missing... I'm missing it. Do you know that there's a underneath my shop, the Greenlight Comics in the city, there's an old abandoned uh, bowling alley and it's all... I keep hearing this. All the popcorn machines are still in there apparently. Son (laughs) of a bitch. I know. We could be selling Greenlight popcorn. Um, Yeah, I'm going to get in contact with your crazy... uh, She's She's beautiful. She's not crazy. Uh, And then I'm going to, you know, get my hands on some popcorn machines. Well, popcorn for all. Yes. Um... (laughs) <laughs> the mainline uh, drive-ins opened up again. Uh, uh, yeah. So me, me and Clay used to go to that fairly often because we have a baby and you don't want to take a baby to the cinema, but you can take them to the drive-in. Uh, True. And the, once again, the drive-in's got like the mainline cinema's uh, drive-in cinema has like, you know, the, 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 the candy bar at the back of it with all that hot dogs and all that stuff. And it's just a great night out. Like, yeah. so fun. I like, love the cinema. I love it. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I am getting cr- a lot crankier and uh, intolerant in my old age. So excellent, excellent. I, I don't I expect anything less. To, I will shush you. I will tell you to turn your phone off. Oh yeah, man! Um, like young people, don't I, get me yeah. started. <laughs> like, uh, I've I've got a fantastic. I scared two girls one time. They would not shut up from the very start of the film. We got about a quarter of the way through. And in the end, I got up and I went and sat next to them. I'm like, hey, guys, what are we talking about? Because clearly it is more exciting than the movie and I just thought that I would like to get in on it. They did not say a single word for the rest of the film. <laughs> it was okay. glorious. All right. So if you want to read more about uh, uh, Ari Aster's new thing, check out it over on, you can read more about it over on bloodydisgusting.com. Um, yep. That's where that art news article came for. And our second news article we're going to have a look at yeah. is, take it away, Jen. Oh, Jason Blum is working overtime on Happy Death Day 3. Happy Death Day. 
I'm it, so excited. I gotta admit, I've never seen one of these. Are you serious? I don't understand. They look like a, is it a slashery one? A happy, happy. It death? is. It is a slashery one. It's got a different take on it, and like I went into this film like, oh god, no, it's just going to be a load of crap. I had so much fun with this film. It's, it was it's a big baby face. I can't handle it. It was no, honestly, <laughs> dead. Um, it was great. It was so much fun. It was. It was. Uh, slash stick, so it was pretty. It was very funny. Ooh, slash stick. Um, That's not slash- on our genre list. <laughs> no, no, it's it not. Um, but yeah, so the first one was amazing. The second one was it was just okay, but it was still a lot of fun. Uh, it dealt with some time travel, which got a bit <gasps> weird, but I'm okay with it. I love and time travel. Course, yeah, so they just sort of didn't go ahead with like a third one. Is so it, is it tongue in cheek? Yeah, it's so it's basically just like a, a Groundhog Day slasher. Yeah, right. I'm all yeah. over it now. Yeah. Okay. Happy, de- happy death. Happy death day. And this it- is homework. This has become your homework. All right. Let- homework happy it is. Death day. So everyone else who's listening, get on to Happy Death Day, and so you can know what we're talking about next week as well, and you can yep. have your own opinions and comments in the comments section, and we will be down yep. with that. Yes. Um, after we've talked about it, that is. Yeah. Um, so basically they, uh, Blumhouse is working to sort of get it off the ground again. While there's absolutely nothing official, it's something that hopefully we will definitely see in the, the near future, which I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I'm very excited as well. Now, I'm excited just because <laughs> I get to see the first one you say. I, yeah. I know I... I don't want to uh, look with slashery kind of films and stuff like that. If it's not Scream, I feel like so many people get it wrong that I need someone to tell me it's good before I'll watch it. Okay. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I won't take a risk on a on a uh, on a, a slasher film, but I'll take a risk yeah. on a monster film. If you know what I mean, yeah. like. But well, you've because you've got a level like this is your this is where you you're at. Scream is the the basis with all which all slashers will be judged. Exactly. So I think that yeah, or sleepaway I, camp. I, really... <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. Film. That end scene um, with a yelling naked with a dick or whatever it is. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, more far it's just like, well, wait up! Is that the reason why she kills people? Because she's got a dick. <laughs> well, it could be one of the reasons. Anyhow, um, if you don't know what we're talking about, check out Sleepaway Camp. It it will be the the worst hour and a half of your life. So. Yeah, Dan has spoiled the ending for you. So yeah, yeah sorry. It's it's, <laughs> it's just a rubbish film. <laughs> it's a great film, but I mean, to be fair, it was like nineteen eighty something. So if you haven't seen it by now, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, what, so like, yeah, what, yeah. Oh man. Anyhow, um, I th- I think that's it. I think we're near yeah. the end of the show. I feel that. Yeah. Let's um. So a bit of housekeeping. So thank you to everyone for watch, uh, listening, watching. You, you can watch it over on YouTube as well. Thank you for everyone listening to it. We are horror, uh, television horror podcast. We have a SoundCloud. We have a Stitcher. We have a Spotify. We have an iTunes. Basically, you can find us on all streaming podcast services. Um, we also have an Instagram. If you want to follow us over on television uh, at television pod, and we have a YouTube at the same at 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 Television Pod. So you can check us out over there. Um, a bit of housekeeping, more housekeeping is um, if you want to check out 
uh, Hack the Dino, which is another uh, podcast that I'm part of. So if you like hearing my voices, uh, you can check me out talking about video games. And that is over on YouTube and all other podcast services. So Hack the Dino doesn't mean anything. Don't ask me what it means. But we do a, a fortnightly TV, uh, video game news show with a great Australian opinion like we've got here. Aussie, mate. Oi, oi, oi. Whoa. Howdy, howdy. Yeah. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. Maybe that should be my opening. Um, and also check out Greenlight Comics, uh, which is a comic shop that I own, um, greenlightcomics.com. You can check it out. It has an online store. And it's also a brick-and-mortar store in Adelaide, South Australia. Oh, yeah. Um, Jennifer, do you have any pluggos? Pluggables. Nah. Yeah, you got do. No pluggos. No pluggos. Um, if you would like one of our sweet as shit Terravision. Uh, te- Terravision. Oh Terra Fisher. <laughs> Terra Fisher. Terra Vision stickers, um, head into Greenlight. Pick one up from the counter. You can say hi to Dan while you're there. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, you can stick them up everywhere. And with them, we want pictures as to where you've stuck them. Yeah. As long as it's, uh, it's family friendly. Not yes. family friendly, as long as it's not porn. Actually, no. no even if if you ra- if you wrap it around your wang and take a photo, that's great as well. I do it. not accept that. You yeah. do not. No. Why not? I'm not a wang kind of person, so. Well, no, yeah. no one's a wang kind of person, but like <laughs> it's always good to see a sticker on a on a body part where stickers don't don't Different. usually you know they don't usually haunt. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good luck. But anyhow, stickers on your wang. So let's end this. So thank you very much for listening. This has been Terrorvision Horror Podcast. Join us next week for episode six where we will be talking about, what are we talking about? What was the movie? Um, we are going to be talking De- about Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day. And remember, if you can't find a friend, make one.